Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Jared Stout. He is a PhD. He serves as Director of Content for Exodus 90 and as an instructor for the Lay Division of St. John Vianney Seminary. He's an author of How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, uh, Restoring Humanity, Essays on the Evangelization of Culture, The Beer Option, and also Renewing Catholic Schools, How to Regain a Catholic Vision in a Secular Age. He is married to his wife, Anne. They have six children, and he's an ob- Benedictine Oblate. Jared, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you back on. Good, Always good talking to you. And I saw your recent article in the Catholic World Report. It's called The Gift of a Father, How Love Leads to Vocations. And then the undertitle, we find the crisis of fatherhood at the base of our vocational crisis, both in religious vocations and marriage. And uh, excellent article. And it does remind us that we've had other shows talking about, you know, men need to step up and be men. But, you know, this issue with vocations, including the vocation of marriage, really feels like it's at a crisis point, doesn't it? It really is. And I think we need to appreciate how much our vocations crisis in terms of the priesthood and religious life is bound up with a much more fundamental crisis in the vocation of the sacrament of marriage and how it's being lived out uh, in the church right now. Well, and you and you start off the article reminding us about God the Father, right? The perfect model of fatherhood so that even if we don't have that you know, and we all fall short as as dads and grandfathers and everything, but we do have the perfect model, so we never have the excuses we don't know what a father should be, right? Well, I think we're in a process of discovery, right, of, of the father himself. Um, and as we, as men, but, but really everyone else in the church, as we come to know the father more deeply, I think we're able to share the father's love. But there's certainly a, a breakdown in the chain, right? And, and I think there, that's a helpful way of thinking about this, right? Even in the Trinity itself, you have the Father pouring out his life to the Son, and you have the Spirit coming forth, proceeding uh, from them um, as an expression of their love, as, as gift. And all of creation comes forth out of the Father's love. And Adam is meant to receive that and to pass it on. Right. And, and that's actually when you look at the fall, that's the heart of it is that God actually never gives the commandment to Eve. He gives it to Adam. And then she actually repeats it incorrectly to the serpent. <laughs> and so there's already a, a, a you know, breakdown in the communication in this chain. Um, but Adam is the father then of humanity. And he receives authority from the father in heaven and he passes it down to his children. And when you look at the calling forth of Israel, you have Abraham once again as our father in faith. And we are meant to share in the gift of faith, which which he had and which he hands down through the people. But you can see both on a kind of natural level, Adam is the father of all. He has the authority given to him, which is handed down. And then the same thing happens in Israel. And when you look at the creation of the priesthood, both at Mount Sinai and then in the church, it's it's a supernatural gift within the people of God, but it's it's meant to help us to recover the lost gift. 
of receiving the Father's love and the, and the authority uh, which he bestowed upon humanity. But the, the natural vocation of the Father is meant to work together with the supernatural vocation of the priest, and they both model and make present the Father's love in different and, and complementary ways. And I, I think we fail to understand that, right? A lot of times you just think, well, it's, it's all about the Father in the parish, right? He's the one who has this spiritual mission, and he's the one who's going to draw that out in our kids. But it's very difficult when um, his vocation can't rely on, on this foundation of the Father within the family. Well, and also we have the model of St. Joseph, right? And you get into that, you know, a father must model to their children, whether, you know, providing security, protection, be a provider, all those type of things. And so we have the model, right? Christ didn't leave us without a model because he was subordinate to Joseph as he was growing up. So we know what a father should look like, yet we live in a world where fathers have abdicated their responsibility and done so in a way that really the ripple effect just keeps getting worse and worse, whether it's with vocations or, you know, just, you know, fatherless homes and and all the things that happen to children when dads aren't around, right? It's really overwhelming, you know, and I think both within the church and within our society, when you look at the worst problems, whether it's drug use, incarceration, you know, dropping out of school, there is a very strong correlation in all of those problems um, to a lack of the father. But it's been demonstrated in the church as well um, that mass attendance and and a practice of the faith is correlated to the father assuming his spiritual authority over his family and, and living that out and modeling it. I think a lot of it has to do with coming to know who we are, right? If you look back at the very beginning, it's the father in all of life, even within himself and the Trinity, but in all of creation, it's, it's all a gift of the father. So who we are, are people who are made by the father to receive his love. That's our deepest identity in the way in which we come to know that in our families and in the church, um, I think is, is really having this affirmation of love to know that we have a place right that we belong in in our family but also in the family of the church and it's the strong modeling of the father's love by our our biological fathers who once again have a spiritual role but then also our fathers in the church that they do become models of the father's love and as we receive love in these ways i think it really opens up our own, own identity where then we can begin to think, how do I pass this on? You know, I, I mentioned before about this break in the chain, right? You know, that everything comes forth from the father and is meant to be handed down, right? So this kind of memory tradition, th- these are all uh, things that are part of, you know, that bad word, the patriarchy, right? The rule of the father, but that's what reality is this rule of the father. And it's a rule of love, not a tyranny, right? It's a rule of love. And when we find security in our place in the family, family, you know, in the home, the family in the church, I think we then are free to respond to that. We're not seeing a lot of responses today, but I think that that points us to an underlying instability and lack of security um, in the receiving the father's love itself. 
Well, you know, it's amazing how men have let themselves, uh, you know, get caught up in in the feminist movement and let women kind of define who and what we're supposed to be, right? Women want to be equals and we're, we're complementary, but we're not called to be equals. It almost seems like we need a reverse feminism where women say, I'm looking for strong, faithful men to be protectors and be providers because they were so, we were so willing to abdicate that role, which we held for such a long time that in the last hundred years, I mean, we just see men become feminized and it, it really has been disappointing and us allowing that to happen. It's it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater, although we're talking about fathers, not babies, but it's, you know, women were reacting to, uh, you know, abuses of, you know, the role that men had, right? And, and do we know, even in the church, right? People, men can use their position of authority to uh, abuse others. To, to neglect others, right? I mean, I think a lot of us, like, you know, I'm in my early 40s. And so, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends where we just felt maybe more of an absence of the father's love. So you have these two extremes, whether it's an absence or the overbearing father, you know, or maybe who is abusing his authority. Um, and when we think of abusing authority, a lot of times it is, Using that genuine authority to manipulate and control other people so that they will do what you want them to do. But that's not what a father is about, right? When you think of a def- definition of a father, um, he is the one who, who gives life and then nourishes and, and protects it. And so it's all about being there for others, right? And, and of course, you know, you could think of, of a, a mother in a similar way, but we know that, of course, fathers, when you think of the traditional role, providing and protecting, right? You know, these are the the key roles. And men slip into that a lot of just focusing on the outward elements of that providing and protecting. But there really needs to be, you know, an equivalent um, inwardly as well. But because women, I think, were were reacting against, you know, perceived kind of abuses of this authority, they basically just said, we need to destroy that authority, right? And it's 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 just part of the expression of our liberal society today. We think about human life in terms of individual freedom. And, and this has been progressing for hundreds of years. We think of government in terms of individual freedom. We think of economics in terms of individual freedom. And now we think of the family in terms of individual freedom as well, right? The, the mother has her own rights, Right, and the father has his, but the children have theirs, and and they're all thinking about themselves and pursuing their own aims and desires, and so therefore the father, in a way, has become relativized. And even today, if you, if you say to mothers and fathers both, I just think of my own conversations. You know, the father has spiritual authority over his family. People say, "Ooh, ooh," right? It's like you're touching a nerve. Authority right. has become like a bad word. Um, and so if the father is abdicating his authority, and I think you're right to say that that a, lo- a lot of Catholic men and Christian men have abdicated their authority, then there's a vacuum. And the mother can't actually fill that vacuum. And there's been studies of this, right? If mothers are taking their kids to church without the father, that the faith just doesn't stick in the kid's life as effectively, right? The mother can't be the same kind of spiritual authority over the family. 
So if the father's not doing it and the mother can't do it in the same way, well, what does that mean? Well, there is no spiritual authority in the family. And, and the, the very heart and soul of family has been stripped out. And then guess what? We're not going to be able to hand down the faith effectively to the next generation. Well, of course not. And then, then we're not going to inspire vocations because I, I think, and this is kind of the heart of the article, that a vocation is a response to the love that has been received in one's life from the father. Right. And so if, if you're not experiencing that love, that affirmation, that support, which is crucial in shoring up your own identity, your own understanding of yourself, well, then you're going to be confused. And, and we do have a lot of confusion of identity. And I think what we have in this liberal individualistic society is that everyone's trying to find their own meaning and identity through their own individual choices. And we can't do it. And we become miserable. And so we're not able to enter into the gift of the father. Well, we end up looking and we see it, right? People look for love in all the wrong places because love hasn't been modeled. So they don't love, know that love is, you know, to will the good of the other, right? To do what's in their person's best interest. It's all this feeling stuff. And that's why you mentioned when the father's out, right? Teen pregnancy rates go up, poverty goes up, all these bad things happen. And then when we look for love in all the wrong places, we're not going to... Our faith isn't isn't modeled, so we're not even looking at that as an option. And so we're going to get less people getting married. We're going to get less people entering religious life or the priesthood because we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And and the right place, for some reason, seems to um, you know get past us. It's consistent across the board, as you point out. It's not just well, we're going to have a, a crisis in vocations to priesthood. No, we have a crisis in the sense of vocation in general. We don't have enough school teachers right now, and you know I, we could say the same probably about even those in in service industries, um, you know, even firefighters and things like that. It can be hard because people aren't thinking, well, my life is about giving. They say, no, my life is about getting, right? That's kind of where we're at right now is that everyone is trying to get. And as you said, lo love is completely misunderstood because we think that, you know, love is about making us feel good about ourselves. I don't feel loved by you. We don't know what marriage is anymore because we don't know what love is, right? We think that marriage is a kind of contract in which, you know, we are really, um, trying to form this partnership with another, but to make us happy, you know? So we say, Oh, this, the marriage isn't making me happy. And it's like, well, who says anything about marriage making you happy? Marriage is about you making others happy. Right? I mean, it's, it's the other things like the ma marriage is a gift, right? You're giving of yourself to the other person. You're, it's not about receiving from them. So no wonder you're going to have a bunch of divorces because no one ultimately is just going to make you happy by making you feel good about yourself. If that's your definition of happiness, right? And so marriage is really a decision to love the other in the sense of putting the other first to be there for them. And when you do that, it's fruitful, right? That's why marriage is meant to be fruitful. Um, and, and to, uh, really bring us to, I think this deeper sense of who we are, in terms of the gift, right? The father gives of himself to the son and it's fruitful in the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is reality. And that is what every vocation is meant to bring us into, in, into this, this deep uh, unlocking 
of who we are as made in the image and likeness of God. You have a, a line I really enjoyed in this in this article. Not that it was a good line, but I thought it was very accurate. You know, you say fatherlessness essentially constitutes societal suicide, right? Stemming from an identity crisis and lack of purpose, kind of going to what you're saying. But I think that that societal suicide um, really kind of feels like where we are, right? We sabotage ourselves. It's it, we keep looking and, and blaming everybody else. We don't look interiorly and think, you know, I have to put Christ in my life or I'm always going to be this rudderless ship. Yeah, you know, we can say that, you know, once you have this, uh, uh, you know, a crisis in fatherhood emerge and you have people who are not able to enter into the role of being a father, but then they become a biological father, but they're not really passing down anything to the next generation. It is suicidal for society in the sense that then people aren't stepping in to say, well, I feel called to be a father. I, I want to give of myself and nobody really knows what we're doing, right? You know, we're just kind of rudderless uh, at this point. And so fathers, when they are entering into their proper role, they do really give a, a lot of stability um, and direction. And, you know, I, I think a lot about the role of father as a kind of um, initiation of children into life. That they're the ones who, you know, really are, are in the world, um, that they are meant to be serving whatever their work is, right? Serving within the world. And then they're helping their children to kind of come to an understanding of how then they should be entering into the world under the father's guidance. Um, and so that the suicide of the next generation is that we we don't have people who are who have that initiation into maturity into society, and therefore they're not ready to take on these roles of responsibility, of gifting, of of giving life. You know, even if they are biologically, but but in the deepest sense, they're not really giving this life and handing it on uh, to the people beh coming behind them. If you see unhappy marriages, you know, where mom and dad don't love each other, they're, you know, they're just two individuals living in a house, right? That's not a model of that people, children want to replicate. So there's no wonder they're not getting married. There's no wonder people aren't having children. So we don't even have the pool of people to be religious or priests because people aren't even having children because it's all about self. And so that model of love is, if we don't have that, everything disintegrates from there on, right? Yeah, you know, my parents divorced when I was six and I was actually expelled from the public schools. There you go. My dad's out of the home um, and I got in trouble when I was 13, kicked out of the public school. So I could have been a statistic, right? right. But only the Catholic school would take me in. And and so it really was the priest of, of the parish and school modeling a fatherly love to me. And what did it do? It instantly made me want to become a father. Now, a spiritual father, I went into seminary for a couple of years, but it actually, I think was probably that experience preparing me then to, to meet my wife because I never wanted to get married growing up. Well, why would I have, right? You know, coming out of that situation. Right. Um, and, it, and it really was on a spiritual level coming to know the father's love through others in the church um, where then I think I was able to recognize the vocation. But let me tell you, marriage for me was a vocation. It was a calling. It wasn't a natural inclination in the sense of, well, I mean, everyone ha maybe has that deep down naturally, but I'm saying it didn't come naturally to me, right? Because of all these obstacles. Uh, and it really 
came as a gift. And I, and I look back and I see my call to marriage and family life as a great gift, which has been very healing to me in, in a number of ways. And of course, as you said, we're still in, you know, coming into the vocation of fatherhood over time. It's not like we you know, instantly can figure that out and be perfect fathers. Um, but it really is something that I think can be repaired, right? You know, some of us think, well, well, gosh, I didn't have a good relation with my father. What can I do? No, this can be repaired through mentorship, through friendship, and even by stepping into the role and just really trying hard uh, through prayer and being present to your kids to continue to give of yourself over time. Right. It really is that selfless mentality. Right. And again, you go back to St. Joseph, who's, you know, the perfect model for us. Right. Part of the earthly trinity, that that selflessness, yet that strength to be able to do uh, what he was called to do. You know, in this article, you also mentioned uh, Gil Bailey, and we've had him on to talk about his book, The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self. And he had a good quote in there. Maybe you can talk a little bit about him and, and hit what he's saying. Yeah, and of course, he's been instrumental in sharing the thought of René Girard. And, you know, but Gil Bailey in this Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self, it's a, it's a, it's a very important point because if you are under the, the influence and, of course, the love of the Father, you're no longer an individual, right? So he's pointing us to, you know, to this Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self and the importance of memory, right, in our culture, that that fathers preserve tradition and they pass it on, right? So if you are a Catholic father, then you are part of this great tradition. And, you know, you've mentioned St. Joseph a couple of times, but I try to always remind myself as a father that my life is not my own. And you can just see that in the story of St. Joseph, right? He's constantly being pulled out of himself through this angelic intervention, right? That he, he's kind of overwhelmed by what's happening to Mary and he, and he wants to bow out, you know, like, okay, I don't see how I fit into this plan. No, 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 you are, you know, step into it, right? And then he, and then he has to leave suddenly and go into an unknown land. And I just think yeah, that's just a great image of fatherhood. It's not about me stepping out of myself to be there for others um, and to, to overcome this uh, individuality. So I, I do think that this whole idea of memory, of culture, you know, culture is a whole way of life. It draws us out of our isolation to say that, that we really belong as part of a people, the church. We really belong in communion with one another. And this is how we will get holy is by growing out of ourselves into this communion of love of entering into whatever our vocation is as a gift and through that coming to know and to love God uh, more deeply. So we're, you know, we're down the last few minutes or so, but I I did want to bring up the point. If, you know, if women are listening to this and I'm sure some are, how can they encourage their men to be the husbands and fathers that they've been called to be? What can they do to help strengthen the vocation of fatherhood? Well, you know what's what's interesting. I, I might want to just give a very practical example here. You know, there there's a a new book out by Tan Books, the the Liber Christo Method, and one of the very particular things that I've learned over the last ten years is that the spiritual authority of the Father comes out in spiritual warfare. That the Father has 
a, a very important role of actually keeping his family clear from demonic influence. And, and sin is actually what opens up the family to this demonic influence. And so if, if you're a wife, I actually think that getting your husband a copy of that book might be helpful. We're not used to thinking about the spiritual authority of fathers any longer. So I think simply just be opening up the conversation. What is your role? What is my role in the family? How do we complement and support one another? You know, when we say that, you know, the father has a unique spiritual authority, some people think, well, maybe that means we're not equal, but equal dignity right? Is, is, is what we have with one another. We're one in Christ, you know, so one is not better than another or something like that, but, but we're not equal in terms of the role, you know, men cannot bear children, you know, um, and give birth to them like women can. Um, and it's the same thing when it comes to the spiritual warfare, the father is the one who blesses and protects his family, um, through his authority and, and mothers can do that in their own way, but it, but it's not the same as the father. And so I think learning about that and growing in that and, and these complementary spiritual roles and to understand that, you know, mothers do have a much stronger role when the children are younger. And then when the children hit adolescence, the, the father, you know, has a much stronger role at that period of time. And, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. They're psychological, they're spiritual, but it's also just the state of life and what the children need at that point. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn. And so there's no easy, fast solutions where I think if you're not used to thinking about it and talking about it and praying about it to, to figure it out quickly, but just talk about it and learn about it uh, on these different layers. But I would recommend maybe starting with that book, The Lieber. L-I-B-E-R, and then Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, method. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. That was actually one of the points that I hadn't gotten to, because uh, I have talked to exorcists and different people, and, and the father does have a, a very important role to keep evil from the home and has been given that gift. Now, we're down to about the last 20, 30 seconds or so, but how can people follow what you're doing, Jared? Because uh, you do put out a lot of very good articles and information that I think can be very helpful to families. Yeah, I, I write a column twice a month for the Denver Catholic, and it's syndicated in different dioceses, but also to Catholic World Report. So that's where you found this article. And my website is buildingcatholicculture.com. And you can also follow my work with uh, Exodus 90. So we're going to be starting uh, our 90-day you know, time of prayer and asceticism for men uh, beginning January 1st. So you can check that out. And, and actually, in, in coming to this role as father, Exodus 90 has helped a lot of men step into that with the support of other men. So I think that's also a, a great way to grow uh, as fathers. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.